welcome to the 98th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're covering one of the classics. When you think of the top four horror icons, you probably think of Jason, Michael, Freddy, and Leatherface. So this week we're going over the nine movies in the franchise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In the order on which they were released, we have the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out in 1974. Screenwriter was Kim Hinkle and Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper also directed and produced, starring Marilyn Burns as Sally Hardesty, Paul Partain as her brother Franklin, Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface, James Sadow as the cook, and Edwin Neal as the hitchhiker. Then there was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986, so 12 years later. This was a sequel. Toby Hooper again directed. Screenplay was by L.M. Kit Carson, and producers were Gola and Globus. This is considered a black comedy. Makeup in this movie was done by the legendary Tom Savini. And there was supposed to be a cameo by Joe Bob Briggs, but unfortunately that got cut out in the theatrical release. Starring Dennis Hopper as Lefty. He's probably best known for Easy Rider and Blue Velvet, but he's been in tons of stuff. Caroline Williams as Stretch. We've talked about her several times on this podcast, including during Leprechaun 3, Stepfather 2, Halloween 2, and Hatchet 3. This time around... Bill Johnson was Leatherface, Bill Mosley was Chop Top, and you may recognize him most from the Rob Zombie movies, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, etc. And returning this time around was James Siddow again, The Cook. The third movie was Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 from 1990. So, four years later, directed by Jeff Burt, screenplay by David Scow, produced by Robert Engelman, starring Ken Foray. Um, Of course, he was in Dawn of the Dead. Viggo Morrison, who's been in tons of stuff. And Kate Hoddig, H-O-D-D-I-G. The fourth movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation from 1995. So what's that, five years later? This was originally released under the name The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is considered a sequel. Kim Hinkle is back as the um, director and screenwriter and co-producer along with Robert Kuhn. Starring then-unknown actors Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. The fifth movie from 2003 is also called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is considered a reboot of the original. Directed by Marcus Nispel. Screenplay by Scott Cosa. Hooper and Hinkle are listed as producers along with Michael Bay and Michael Fliss. Starring Jessica Biel. Um, Leatherface here is portrayed by Andrew 
Brian Niarski, sorry if I messed that up. Uh, other actors include Erica, Eric uh, Ballflower, Jonathan Tucker, Erica Learson, Mike Vogel, and R. Lee Emmy as Sheriff Hoyt. You'll remember him from Full Metal Jacket and several reality shows as well. Number six is Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the Beginning from 2006. So three years later, this is considered a prequel directed by Jonathan Libisman. Screenplay by Sheldon Turner, Toby Hooper, and Kim Frankel are back as producers. Kim Hinkle are back as producers. Back also is Arlie Emmy. Um... As Sheriff Hoyt, Marietta Marich as Luda Mae Hewitt, Andrew Brynierski as Leatherface slash Thomas, Terrace Evans as Monty, Kathy Lampkin as the Tea Lady, and new are Jordana Brewster as Christine. I'm sure you've seen her in lots of stuff. Uh, Matt Bomer as Eric. He's been in a bunch of stuff, including, I think, a White Collar, and, of course, he's a regular on American Horror Story. Tyler Hanley as Dean, and Dira um, Biard as Bailey. Then we have Texas Chainsaw 3D from 2013. This is considered a direct sequel to the original. Directed by John Lessenhop, screenplay by Adam Marcus and Deborah Sullivan, produced by Mark Berg and Carl Mazzone, starring Alexandra, uh, I think it's Daddario as Heather, Dan Yeager as Leatherface, Trey Songs as Ryan, Tom Berry as Sheriff Hooper, and Paul Ray as Mayor Bert Hartman. Uh, Richard, I think it's Ryle, R-E-A-I-H-L-E, is Farmsworth, Vera's lawyer, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. And there are some cameos by previous actors, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Then we have Leatherface from 2017. This is considered a prequel to the original and maintains continuity with the 2003 movie. Produced by Julian Mari and Alexandra Bastillo. Screenplay by Seth Sherwood. Um, Mazacone is back as producer along with Krista Campbell, uh, Grobman, and Les Weldon. Lily Tyler, you, of course you remember her from lots of stuff, including probably most recently The Conjuring, is Mother Vera Sawyer, Sam Strike is Jackson, Sam Olson is Bud, and Vanessa Grass is uh, Nurse Lizzie, Stephen Dorth is the Sheriff Hal Hartman. Of course, Stephen Dorth was in what, Blade 2. He's been in tons of stuff as well. And lastly, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2021. This has not been released yet. And for anyone that's counting, it is the third movie in this franchise named Just Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
It's produced by David Blue Garcia, screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin, produced again by Kim Hinkle with Ian Hinkle, Fede Alvarez, and some other people. It was originally intended for theaters, but due to COVID, uh, it instead will appear on Netflix, but I still don't know when the release date is. (coughs) I keep looking, but I haven't seen anything on it. So those are the nine movies that will be in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Of course, just eight viewable right now. Where to find these movies? Shudder and Tubi have the first one for free. Prime has two for free. HBO has three and the beginning, but you can no longer watch them through Amazon. You have to subscribe to HBO Max instead because they pull the HBO um, subscription for people through Amazon off last week. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but uh, I'm not. I like HBO, but I'm not signing up for Max. Um, the rest of the movies are 3 to $4 each in the usual spots, except for 3D, which is not on Amazon. Instead, it's available on YouTube for $4. None of these movies are on Netflix or Hulu. Rotten Tomato scores. The first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, critics gave it 89%. Audiences gave it 82%. This is the highest ranking for critics and audiences, which is not unusual for a horror franchise. Usually the best movies first, and then the farther you go down the list, the worse the movies get. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, critics gave it a 47. Audiences gave it a 44. This is the second highest rating for critics. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, critics gave it a 19%, audiences gave it a 31%. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, critics gave it a 16%, audiences gave it an 18%. This is the lowest rating by audiences in the franchise. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, critics 37, audiences 58. This is the audience's second highest rating. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Beginning, Critics 14, audiences 53. This was the third highest for audiences, but the lowest for critics. So big difference in opinion there. And Texas Chainsaw 3D, critics 19%, audiences 40%. And lastly, Leatherface, critics 30%, audiences 24%. The plot. So I will read the brief uh, Rotten Tomatoes synopsis of these movies and then just try to go over a little bit um, about the uh, details. Now, if I haven't said it already, I want to reiterate that this franchise in terms of continuity is a mess, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So don't try to make too much sense of these um, until we get to that part. First Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When Sally, played by Marilyn Burns, hears that her grandfather's grave may have been vandalized, she and her paraplegic brother Franklin set out with their friends to investigate. After a detour to their family, after a detour to their family's old farmhouse, they discover a group of crazed murderous outcasts living next door. As the group is attacked one by one, the chainsaw-wielding Leatherface who wears a mask of human skin. The survivors must do everything they can to escape. And that's really it. So we start out with five people in a van. 
and they pick up a hitchhiker along the way, but they soon give him the boot because he is crazy, beyond crazy. They get to their grandparents' old house, as I said earlier, and two people head off to the creek, but they find a house with a running generator, so they try to go inside to ask if they can borrow gas for the van, and things do not go well. These are some of the most iconic scenes uh, from the franchise here with the first two kills. We'll go over more details of that later. Then Sally and Franklin head into the dark to look for the others. And out of nowhere, a chainsaw-wielding Leatherface slices Franklin in the guts, and that's the end of him. Sally takes off running for her life. He chases her. She almost escapes to the gas station where they visited previously. But nope, that guy is actually part of the crazy killer family. He brings her back to the house, and she is tied to a chair as the cook, that's the guy from the gas station, and the hitchhiker that they picked up later, Leatherface and Grandpa sit around the table. I thought Grandpa was dead when they stuck her bleeding finger into his mouth, but he moved. So they want Grandpa to beat Sally in the head with a hammer because apparently he does it best, but he can't hold on to the hammer. It's a pretty funny scene where he just keeps dropping the hammer over and over again while she's screaming bloody murder while they're trying to get him to whack her in the head. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be funny, but it was pretty funny. After many tries, she again for the second time crashes through a window and makes it to the road. Leatherface and the hitchhiker chase her. The hitchhiker is, is crushed under a passing semi. She eventually is able to get into the back of a pickup truck and laughs hysterically as they drive away. And then the last scene is Leatherface just twirling in his little, uh, I guess, Sunday best dinner outfit with his little jacket, uh, twirling around in the circle with his chainsaw. And that's the end of the first movie. The second movie, Chainsaw-Wielding Maniac Leatherface, played by Bill Johnson, is up to his cannibalistic ways once again, along with the rest of his twisted clan, including the equally disturbed Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley. This time, the masked killer has set his sights on pretty dish jockey Vanita Stretch Brock, played by Caroline Williams, who teams up with Texan lawman Lefty Enright, played by Dennis Hopper, to battle the psychopath and his family deep within their lair, which is now a macabre abandoned amusement park. So that's the Rotten Tomato synopsis. So this movie begins with two guys calling to a radio station, and they're drunk and shooting at stuff, and they're blabbing on about whatever. Um, and they run some guy off the road, but then later that night, um, a car comes back, or a truck, and corners them, and Leatherface, who is called Bubba here for some reason, soon gets them by chainsawing their car in half and forcing them to crash. Stretch has the evidence because they were on the phone with her at the time that this happened. Um, initially, Lefty who's supposed to be the uncle of Sally and Franklin from the first movie. He eventually warms up to the idea of working with Stretch. He's not so sure to start with, but it's too late. 
because Leatherface and his other brother, named Chop Top, who is back from Vietnam, gets the radio station to get the tape and kill Stretch. Leatherface develops a crush on her, and she lives. Uh, then they drag her sound guy after bludgeoning him to death. Um, when they try to drag him away, she follows in her Jeep. It turns out that they have a whole underground amusement park type area set up. Of course, there are lots of body parts everywhere, and we learn that the cannibal family is named the Sawyers. The cook is actually named Drayton. Leatherface is called Bubba, but his real name is Jedediah. And we learn that the dead body that Chop Top carries around with him is his twin brother, who is the hitchhiker, whose name apparently is Nubbins. And we saw him, of course, get killed in the first movie. And Grandpa is back yet again. This time around, we also see a really old grandma, who I guess is alive at some point as well. Um, there's no explanation as to what they are. Uh, Lefty shows up to try to save Stretch, and there's a cool chainsaw battle between the two. In the end, everyone dies thanks to a hand grenade uh, that's pulled by, uh, I think, um, Drayton. And Stretch survives, though. She may have off Chop Top. Last time we saw him, he was going down like a slide back into the amusement park. Um, and the end of the movie, she is reenacting the scene from the first movie with Leatherface where she twirls around with a chainsaw in the t highest tower of the amusement park. So that's it for two. Number three, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Rotten Tomato says, Driving through Texas, young yuppie couple Michelle, played by Kate Hodge, and Ryan, William Butler, stop at the Last Chance gas station, but after they witness the owner attacking a hitchhiker named Tex, played by Viggo Mortensen, they panic and flee. In their hasty departure, they get lost and soon find themselves pursued by the chainsaw-toting maniac known as Leatherface, played here by um, R.A. I think it's Milloloff. While running, the couple bump into survivalist Barry, played by Ken Foray, who they team up with in an effort to escape. So this time we have a couple being chased by Leatherface, and he now has a gold chainsaw that has inscribed on it, the saw is family. Whatever that means. The strange thing is that there's now a whole different Sawyer family who we never knew anything about, there's three brothers, Tex, Tink, and Alfredo, a mother named Anne, and a little girl that apparently is Leatherface's daughter. Um, Leatherface is called Junior here. Um, to be honest, I really hated all of these people in this movie, um, except for Ken Foray. So Ken Foray, of course, most famous for Dawn of the Dead, he was the only redeeming thing about this movie, in my opinion. There's also a Blink and You Miss It cameo by Caroline Williams, who is, of course, in the second movie, and at the very beginning she is a reporter, but she's just there for a couple seconds. So not one of my favorites. Next, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Rotten Tomatoes says... 
After leaving their prom early, innocent Jenny, Renee Zellweger, and three other teenagers crash their car into the backwoods of Texas. In their search for help, they run into Vilmer Slaughter, played by Matthew McConaughey, a vicious psychopath with a mechanical leg and his twisted family, including the serial killer Leatherface. As a group of friends struggle to survive the maniacal methods of torture, Jennings discovers the secret origins behind the family's lust for blood. Um, so, basically, instead of people in a van, we have some kids who attended prom, who are the victims in this one. Leatherface, played by Robert Jack, is back again, but here he's just called Leather. This time, there's a whole different family called the Slaughters instead of the Sawyers. There's Vilmer, Matthew McConaughey, W.E., who's Walter Edwards, John Stevens, and Vilmer's psycho girlfriend slash insurance agent Darla, played by Tony Perinsky. This time around, Vilmer appears to be working for a secret organization that wants to maintain by harmony by having people feel, quote, horror. A rep from the organization named Rothman arrives, but all he does is lick Jenny's face. He also has some weird piercings and tattoos on his stomach. I have no idea what any of it means. Uh, none of it makes any sense. Also, Leatherface does a little cross-dressing in this movie, because why not? Um... And when the final girl, Jenny, makes it to the hospital, there's a blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameo by the original final girl, Sally Hardesty, played by Marilyn Burns, and Brother Franklin is also a hospital orderly, but I miss seeing him uh, in there. And John Dugan, grandfather from the first movie, makes a quick appearance as a cop at the hospital. Next up is the fifth movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, which again is a remake. Rotten Tomato says, In this remake of the horror classic, a group of young travelers, including Aaron, played by Jessica Biel, Andy, Mike Vogel, and Morgan, Jonathan Trucker, comes across an isolated rural home while driving through Texas. Unfortunately for them, the decrepit house is the residence of a family of deranged backwoods killers, most notably a hulking mass brute known as Leatherface, who begins to hunt the stranded youths down. Will any of the friends survive the nightmarish ordeal? Now, since this is a remake, it's the same basic setup as the original Five Kids in a Van. This time they are headed to a Leonard Skinner concert and apparently previously were in Mexico buying some pot. They pick up a distraught young woman who tells them they're all going to die before shooting herself through the head. And that is one of the actual best shots of the franchise because the camera goes through from the front of the van straight through the woman's head and out the back window. So that's a really cool effect. The kids stop at a local shop where they encounter Luda May. She tells them that Sheriff Hoyt will meet them at an old mill to retrieve the body of the girl. When the sheriff shows up, he seems a bit odd. Um, meanwhile, 
final girl Erin and her boyfriend go to a really cool looking house to try to call the police. So this is a different house than the one from the original. This is more like a plantation house. So this is a cool design for a house, I thought. Uh, this is a bad move. Eventually, Aaron's boyfriend gets his face pulled off and worn by leather. Note here the family is not called the Sawyers or the Slaughters. This time, they're called the Hewitts. So here's the third name for the family, if we're keeping track. And Leather is an adopted son called Thomas Hewitt. So he's not biological related to his family. Then there's a mother we already met because she works at that, whatever that is, gas station, Luda May. The sheriff, whose real name is Charlie Hoyt Jr., is her son. The guy in the wheelchair is her brother, Monty. And then there's a grandchild named Jedediah, not to be confused with Leatherface Jedediah. Then there's Henrietta and her mother, the tea lady. The tea lady is Luda May's sister. So eventually, everyone, of course, dies except for Aaron. And she has a battle with Leather and cuts off his arm. She manages to get the baby back from the Hewitt, that the Hewitt stole and drives off while running over the sheriff a few times, so he should be good and dead at this point. Leather tries to saw her car in half, but she takes off. And he does his little dance, but this time it's one-armed. Um, i got to say, I did like this one. Uh, the cinematography was really good. Um, the original cinematographer, I don't think I wrote down his name, um, from the original is back here. So I think that's one of the reasons. And also, make sure you don't miss the fact that John Larroquette from Night Court also did the voiceover in this movie, just like the original. The sixth movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The New Beginning, Chrissy, Jordana Brewster, and her friends, Matthew Bomber, Tyler Hanley, and Diora Baird, set out on a road trip for a final fling before uh, two are shipped off to Vietnam. Along the way, bikers, Lee... Turgeson and China Batten harass the foursome and cause an accident that throws Chrissy from the vehicle. The lawman who arrives on the scene kills one of the bikers and brings Chrissy Friend to the Hewitt homestead where young Leatherface is learning the tools of the trade. So this is a prequel to the remake. We get the origin story of Leatherface and how he came to live with the Hewitts. What's up with Sheriff Hoyt? <coughs> And that's not his real name, because he killed the original Sheriff Hoyt. How Monty got his legs sliced off, because we saw in the um, remake that he was a double amputee. And, of course, the suspense is lessened, because we know all of these people survive till the next movie. Also, this one follows four kids in a van four years before the remake. Two of those kids are brothers. One is going to re-enlist and go back to Vietnam. The other one supposedly is signing up, but he secretly plans to dodge the draft and escape to Mexico with his girlfriend. It, this is not a bad movie. 
Um, but there's not terribly much new here in terms of the kills. The final girl turns out to not be such a final girl when Leatherface chainsaws her through a car seat. The final shot, which is a cool one, is of him slowly walking down the road, chainsaw in hand, at night. Two more to go. Texas Chainsaw 3D, Rotten Tomatoes says, Decades ago, residents of New Texas long surprised that the Sawyer family was responsible for the disappearance of many people. When their suspicions finally were confirmed, vigilantes torched the Sawyer compound and killed every member of the family, or so they thought. Much later, a young woman named Heather, Alexandra Daddario, learns that she has inherited Texas property from an unknown relative, and she's unaware of the horrors that await the mansion's dark cellar. That await in the mansion's dark cellar. So it turns out Heather Miller is actually Vera Sawyer's, whose later name was Car- married name was Carson. It. She is her granddaughter Edith. We see at the beginning of the movie that a group of vigilantes burns down the Sawyer house when they won't send out uh, Jedediah slash Leatherface. This movie also includes a number of Sawyers that we haven't seen before. Um, also, you have Bill Mosley, who played Chop Top previously, playing Drayden in this movie, and that's because the actor that played Drayden has since passed away. The original Leatherface, Gunnar Hansen, also makes a small um, appearance as a Sawyer called Boss Sawyer. And despite the house being turned down on top of him, somehow Leatherface escaped. The original grandpa, John Duga, also returns. Since Edith slash Heather was a baby at the time, she is raised by a family who never tells her true identity. When Vera in a flashback is played by Marilyn Burns from the very first movie. So that's pretty cool. When she dies, she sends her lawyer to inform Heather that she's inherited the house. She and several f- friends travel to the house, and you can guess what happens. The lawyer tells her to read the letter from her grandmother immediately, but does she do it? Nope, she doesn't. All of her friends are killed. She eventually finds out her true identity and is chased um, by the mayor who was the guy who led the vigilantes to burn down the house in the beginning of the movie. He and his son, who is now a deputy, plan to kill Heather, but Leatherface arrives and discovers who she is due to a birthmark on her chest. Sheriff Hooper, who has also been there 40 years, does not try to stop Leatherface from killing Bert. In the end, Heather finally reads the letter and decides to stay and take care of the house and Leatherface who lives behind a locked door in the basement. In the movie, in this movie, he is much more of a sympathetic character, even though he chainsawed all of her friends. And last movie currently out, Rotten Tomatoes says, a violent teen and three others kidnap a young nurse while escaping from a Texas mental institution. Pursued by a vengeful sheriff, the disturbed young man embarks on a murderous rampage that shapes him into the legendary killer known as Leatherface. As we said previously, this is a prequel to the original that maintains continuity with the 2003 film. 
So Lily Taylor is the mother of Vera Sawyer. We see the family around the table for a birthday. There's a younger Drayton and Nubbins and, of course, Grandpa. There's also a young Jed who will grow up to become Leatherface. He blows out the candles to his meat pie, which is really gross. They give him a chainsaw as a gift, but he can't bring himself to kill their hostage, who they accuse of stealing their pigs. Instead, Grandpa ends up whacking him in the head with a mallet. Next, we see a kid in the road wearing a dead cow head, and that's a very interesting visual. A young guy and girl are driving by. She runs uh, after the kid to try to help him, but it's actually a trap. She ends up falling through the floor of a barn, and then they um, bring over an engine and drop it on her and crutch her dead. But it turns out that she is the daughter of Sheriff Hartman. He vows revenge and has Jed shipped off to a mental institution, which apparently has a child board. It's several years later, and Jed's name has been changed to something no one knows, so we don't really know who Jed is initially. Vera arrives to break him out and causes a riot. Two crazies escape, and they take Jackson, big guy Bud, and young nurse Lizzie with them, but the two crazies can't stay off the radar as they wipe out all of the customers at a barbecue joint. The sheriff vows to find them and kill them. Um, Then the crazy guy, Ike, makes fun of Bud, and he crushes his skull in. That was a pretty uh, wild shot. Hartman shoots crazy girl, who keeps trying to escape. And... Lizzie ends up getting Bud killed, which really, really upsets Jackson. So a cop killed Bud, then Jackson killed the cop. Here, I bet you thought that Leatherface was Bud, when all along, it was really Jackson. So the two escape in the police car, but the sheriff shoots Jackson in the face while in pursuit and this greatly disfigures his face. Vera gets Jackson and sews him up and puts on a leather mask. They capture the sheriff and Lizzie. Jackson takes a saw through the middle of the sheriff, and then um, when we think maybe he will let Lizzie live, she instead she makes a snide comment about his mother, which was not a good idea, And he saws her head off for disrespecting Vera. And that's the end of the movies. Now up to trivia. Of course, there are a lot of movies, so I'll probably skip around. But in general, these films generated $262 million worldwide. There are lots of fun supporting materials about these movies um, on the Internet, including the making of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 on YouTube, um, the Return of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the documentary, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a family portrait, all on YouTube. Then the kill counts for these movies with James A. Janice are also on YouTube and are a lot of fun. And lastly, check out the Evolution of Leatherface Animated, which goes through all of Leatherface's various outfits. So those two things are a lot of fun. Now on to the continuity. As we said, it's a mess. 
But if you think of it like this, it's easier to keep track of. So there are four possible timelines. The original continuity, which would be the first movie, two, three, and next generation. There's the Platinum Dunes continuity, which would have the beginning and then the 2003 remake. 2003 reboot and the Millennium Films continuity which has Leatherface then the original 1974 movie then 3D so good luck keeping track of all of that there are however a number of common elements throughout these movies even if the plot makes no sense whatsoever there's scrolling text which appears at the beginning of many of the movies John Larroquette voiceover already mentioned. The slamming door that is first seen in the original movie and then later in most movies and in the slaughterhouse. The clicking bulb sound, which is pretty freaky. And the low shot on the ground with a girl walking into the house made famous in the original. So she is, the camera's down on the ground following her. She's walking up towards the house and you see the back shot of her, the back of her body. So that's pretty cool. Okay, on to trivia. According to John Larroquette, his payment for doing the opening narrative was a marijuana joint. Marilyn Burns, whose character was chased by Leatherface through the undergrowth, actually cut herself on the branches quite badly, so a lot of the blood on her body and clothes was real. The soundtrack contains no sounds from musical instruments with the exception of some copyrighted material they had the rights to. Instead, they use sounds um, an animal would hear inside a slaughterhouse. When it was first released, this film was so horrifying that people actually walked out on sneak previews for it. Surprisingly, this film is one of the least bloody horror movies of all time, this is because Toby Hooper intended to make a movie for a PG rating, but keep, by keeping violence moderate, language mild, and having most of the horror implied off-screen rather than show in great detail on-screen. However, this plan actually backfired and made the film even more horrifying because despite cutting and repeating submissions, the ratings board insisted on an X rating and it wasn't until the film received an R rating when Hooper gave up and released it. Hooper had similar rating problems with the sequel. Um, director Toby Hooper claims to have gotten the idea for the film while standing in a hardware section of a crowd store while Christmas shopping while thinking of a way to get out through the crowd. He spotted the chainsaws. After getting the old... Age makeup, John Dugan decided that he did not ever want to go through the process again, meaning that all the scenes with him had to be filmed in the same session before he could take the makeup off. The entire process took about 36 hours, five of which took to put the makeup on. During a brutal summer heat wave where the average temperature was over 100 degrees, with a large portion of it spent filming the dinner scene with him wearing a heavy suit and a necktie sitting in a room filled with dead animals and rotting food with no air conditioning or electric fans. 
Everyone later recalled that the stench from the rotting food and people's body odors was so horrible that some crew members passed out or became sick from the smell. Edwin Neal, the hitchhiker, claimed, Filming that scene was the worst time in my life, and I have been in Vietnam with people trying to kill me, so I guess that shows you how bad it was. During, due to low budget, Gunner Hansen had only one shirt to wear as Leatherface. The shirt had been dyed, so it could not be washed. Hansen had to wear it for four straight weeks of filming in the hot and humid Texas summer. By the end of the shoot, no one wanted to stand near Hansen or sit next to him during breaks to eat lunch because his clothing smelled so bad. Toby Hooper used a stunt double for Sally's leap through the window, but Marilyn Burns actually heard herself shooting the insert of her falling to the ground. Even in his boots, Gunnar Hansen could run faster than Marilyn Burns, so he had to do random things while chasing her through the woods. You'll notice in one head-on shot that he starts slicing up tree branches in the background. Hansen originally turned down the role of Leatherface due to the sheer brutality of the plot. He was then persuaded by Marilyn Burns, who was friends with him at the time. Hansen said during the filming he didn't get along very well with Paul Partain, who played Franklin. A few years later, he met Partain again and realized that Partain, a method actor, had simply chosen to stay in character even when not filming. The two remained good friends until Partain's death. Um, Marilyn Burns' clothing was so drenched in fake blood that it was virtually solid by the last day's shoot. Gunner Hansen hit his head on doorways and other objects several times during the shoot because the leather-faced mask severely limited his peripheral vision and the three-inch heels he wore made him six foot, his six-foot-four frame too high to clear all obstacles. Um, the location used as the Sawyer family house has changed completely. It's now an open field with no indication that there ever was a house there. The house itself has been relocated and fully restored. It is now operated as Grand Central Cafe, formerly known as Junction House Restaurant, on the grounds of the Antiers Hotel Complex in Kingsland, Texas. According to uh, Edwin Neal, hitchhiker Nubbins, Texas State Troopers actually shook his hand and thanked him for causing crime to drop 18%. Apparently, the message audiences took away from the film is don't pick up hitchhikers. Probably a good idea. Um, the gas station where the kids stop was bought from the family of the original owners and is being renovated and turned into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Horror Campground. Okay. The film's original distributor was Bryanston Distribution Company, which turned out to be a mafia front operated by Lou... Pereno Butchie, P-E-R-A-I-N-O, 
who used the film to launder profits he made from Deep Throat in 1972. In return, the production company received only enough money to reimburse the investors and pay the cast and, and crew $405 apiece. The producers eventually discovered that he had lied to them about the film's profits. After he was arrested on obscenity charges when his role in Deep Throat was revealed, the cast and crew filed suit against him and were awarded $25,000 each. New Line Cinema, which obtained the rights to the film from the now bankrupt uh, production company, paid off the cast and crew as part of the purchase agreement. The worst part of the climatic dinner scene was the 110 degree Texas heat plus the filming lights meant all the food on the table quickly rotted, which we already mentioned, and the room's poor ventilation made it even worse, uh, raising it to genuinely health-threatening levels. Also, the filming took 27 straight hours, which led to several of the actors suffering genuine sanity slippage and taking Toby Hooper's direction as meaning they really were their characters, not exactly the result you want, most of them playing cannibalistic murderers. Uh, different masks, Leatherface wears, I'm going to pass on that. The film's original budget was $60,000. During the editing process, the filmmakers incurred an additional 80000 in costs, requiring that they sell off portions of their ownership in the film's royalties. Mm. Entertainment Weekly in 19... Let's see, I'm not sure when this was, but... Uh, voted that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the second scariest film ever made behind The Exorcist. Um, some ur urban legends say that the real Texas Chainsaw Massacre took place near Poth, P-O-T-H, a small town about 36 miles southeast of San Antonio. This is false. The film is fictional and based lo loosely on the life of Wisconsin serial killer Ed Gain, who also was an inspiration for Psycho, as well as Buffalo Bill in the movie Silence of the Lambs. Um, the film is one of several so-called drive-in flicks made in the 70s that were presented as true stories. Examples include The Legend of Boggy Creek, Walking Tall, Macon County Line, Jackson County Jail, and The Town That Dreaded Sundown. In each case, most if not all of what was portrayed on screen was outright fiction, with the exception of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which was inspired by the Phantom Killer murders in Texarkana in 1946. Ed Gain, who we just mentioned, on whom Leatherface is loosely based, was not a true serial killer as he actually only killed two people, both of them women. He was, however, a grave robber. He stole body parts, only female, from many different graves. He kept some of the parts in his refrigerator and skinned one corpse and wore the skin as a dress. This rates number one in Slant Magazine's Top 100 Greatest Horror Movies of All Time. Interestingly, only one person in this movie is actually killed by a chainsaw. 
The longest that Terry McMahon could comfortably hang on the meat hook was just one minute. So a lot of that screaming is real, although obviously she wasn't impaled by a meat hook. Um, one of Toby Hooper's techniques for making the film more intense was cutting a small number of frames off of the shot preceding something violent occurring. This small beat catches the viewer off guard as their eyes become accustomed to certain shots being a specific length. Cinematographer Daniel Pearl also mentioned a misdirection trick Hooper would use, which was having something on the left side of the screen, then cutting to Leatherface on the right side. I gotta say, the one scene with um, Franklin and Sally in the dark where they're going to look for their friends, when Leatherface shows up, I actually jumped, even though I knew what was going to happen. Um, so the way they did that one was really great. Uh, Leatherface, a member of Sawyer family, a Sawyer is a person who uses a chainsaw. Some sources have also noted its resemblance to Sawney, uh, which was a cannibalistic family that lived in Sawney Beans that lived in medieval Scotland. Working titles for this movie included Stalking Leatherface and Head Cheese. Director Toby Hooper and narrator John Larroquette are the only people associated with the production to have eventually had a successful and lucrative film career. This movie was the 12th highest grossing film of 1974. The animal corpses strewn around um, the... Sawyer House were borrowed from a local veterinarian near the end of production. The question of how to get rid of the corpses came up. Toby Hooper remembered someone piling them behind the house and setting them on fire. John Bloom, a.k.a. driving critic Joe Bob Briggs, called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre the greatest movie ever made. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what inspired Ridley Scott to make Alien. Some people have even called Alien a Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. And more stuff, but um, it's not worth reading all this. Included in American Film Institute's 2001 list of 400 movies nominated for the top 100 most heart-pounding American movies. Paul Partain and Marilyn Burns didn't like each other and much of their bickering in the film is genuine. As Daniel Pearl remembers, they were staying at close to storyboards as they could for much of the production. However, the under-the-swing shot, which has become generally believed as the film's best shot, which I mentioned earlier, was one he and Hooper came up with on set, where Pam is sitting on the swing, 
The camera goes under the swing and stays close to the ground as it follows her to the house. Um, Herschel Gordon Lewis's splatter film, The Gruesome Twosome, bears more than a passing resemblance to this film. Both have to do with serial killer families preying on young teens, using a shop or service as a means to procure victims who they kill and use their body parts. The same basic concept has been used frequently in horror, their least occurrences being in the fairy tale Hansel and Gretel and works such as Sweeney Todd. The production company only had one chainsaw, and it was very real. And to make sure not to actually hurt themselves. Daniel Pearl remembers the original take of Leatherface's dance on the road was much longer. Hansen notes that due to him not being able to see well, he was only able to catch glimpses of the cinematographer or anyone around him. He mentioned one look he got of Pearl, Toby Hooper, and one of the producers fleeing from him in order to keep from getting hit. Toby Hooper wanted the opening narrative to sound like Orson Welles. He asked John Larroquette to do his best Orson Welles when reading, quote, it still sounds like <laughs> when reading it. And afterwards, Hooper said, well, it still sounds like John Larroquette. Um... Let's see, anything else before we go on this one? Oh, more on the meat hook scene. So for Pam's meat hook death scene, Terry McGinn actually held up by a nylon cord that went through her legs, which was padded with apparently maxi pads. Despite the padding, it was still quite painful. She decided to use the pain to make her performance more believable. The Hitchhiker talks about how a sledgehammer is the best method of killing animals in the slaughterhouse. The first member of the group to die is killed with a sledgehammer. And the body count in this movie is five. So not that much by today's standards. But that was everybody else in the movie besides the family. Okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The family group shot, as seen in the advertisements, posters, and video covers, uses the same positioning as the promotional group shot for the movie The Breakfast Club from 1985. That's pretty funny. The corpse chop top and leather carry around with them. Also appearing in the original cover art is that of the hitchhiker nubbins from the first movie. And, as I said previously, there's too much trivia, so I'm really only hitting the highlights. This was the final film of Jim Siddell, the cook. Lefty finds the skeleton of Franklin sitting in his wheelchair from the first movie. Lefty is, of course, Franklin and Sally's uncle. Um, 
We already said Joe Bob Briggs did a cameo, but he didn't make it. Gunnar Hansen was approached to reprise his role as Leatherface, but he claims to have been offered a scale plus 10%, with the 10% going to his agent. When he replied he had no agent, they offered scale without the additional 10%. So obviously, he didn't do it. A fire erupted one night in downtown Austin building where much of the movie took place. When firemen arrived, they found bodies and thought they'd stumbled upon the lair of a psychopathic killer. Chop Top is a Vietnam veteran. Edwin Neal, who played the character's twin brother, the hitchhiker, was also in Vietnam. Whereas the first film has the undeserved reputation of being extremely gory, it's not. The sequel dispenses with that notion and ups the splatter count. Um, Caroline Williams also appeared in Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakening, as a character called Stretch. But Williams doesn't include this in her description of Anita Brock's other movie appearances. And the body count in this movie is 8. Oh, up to a little bit. Uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Director Jeff... Burr was fired towards the beginning of production. When nobody else accepted the job, he was rehired. Uh, Kane Hodder, whose best-known role is that of another horror icon, Jason Voorhees, was a stunt coordinator for this film. He was also R.A. Mila Loft's stunt double and played Leatherface in the trailer. This was the final movie to be given an X rating before the um, MPAA replaced that rating with NC-17. Property master Paul Byers designed the Chromium Excalibur chainsaw for the movie and was paid $3,000 for each of them. Sorry, just trying to get to the next page here. Peter Jackson was at one time considered for the director of this movie. In the teaser trailer, Leatherface is portrayed by Kane Hodder, who would eventually be the stunt coordinator, as we just said. And double on this movie, this isn't Hodder's first time playing an iconic character. He played Voorhees from 88 to 2001, and even Don Freddy Krueger's iconic bladed glove for a scene in Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Ken Foray was in Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007. Dwayne Whitaker and Caroline Wims were both in Rob Zombie's Halloween too.
It was decided that Ken Foray's character should live after he gained high favorable responses during Erling test screenings. The new ending was subsequently shot in what in which somehow Ken pops up in the final scene with a tiny flesh wound on his head, even though we all saw him get torn apart in the finale. While filming the fight scenes between Benny and Tex at the truck, Ken Foray accidentally broke Viggo Mortensen's ribs. The shot was seemingly left in the movie. You can see Mortensen suddenly clutch at being thrown to the ground. And now on to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Renee Zellweger reflected in the movie role in a 2016 interview saying it was very low budget, so we all shared a tiny Winnebago that the producer of the film belonged to him. It was his personal camper, so, you know, makeup was in the front seats and then there was a table in the middle for hair and there was a tiny little curtain for the bathroom. It was where you put on your prom dress and your flower. It was ridiculous how it pull, how we pulled that off. I have no idea. I'm sure none of it was legal. Anyway, we did, anything we did was a little dangerous, but that was an experience. It was a kamikaze, it was kamikaze filmmaking. Um, this is the first movie where Leatherface does not kill anyone with a chainsaw. Writer, producer, and director Kim Hinkle said the characters were purposefully written as cartoonish caricatures of American teenagers in the, in the time this movie was made. Another element noted by critics and movie scholars in this movie is the overt references to cross-dressing and the Leatherface character, which was briefly explored in the first movie, but implemented to a greater extent here. This movie has been noted for the implementation of a secret society subplot, driving Leatherface's family to terrorize people in order to provoke them to a level of transcendence. I have no idea. Again, doesn't make any sense. The second movie which, in which Matthew McConaughey says, a right, a right, a right. And the um, remake, 2003, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's see. In the original script, the character Jedediah was going to wear a Felix the T-shirt, Felix the Cat T-shirt throughout the movie. This was later scrapped because the copyright holders of Felix the Cat wouldn't allow it. However, the novelization of the movie features the character wearing the shirt. Also, Jedediah was going to be killed by Leatherface, that's the young kid Jedediah, by slicing his chainsaw through his back because he let Aaron and Morgan go. This was later scrapped because the filmmakers thought it was too intense. While filming the scene with a possum, the filmmakers had to reshoot the scene numerous times in order to deliver the scares, but every time they filmed it, the poss a possum appeared more adorable than scary. <laughs>
Daniel Pearl, of course, the cinematographer of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, reprised the role for this movie. He got there by convincing Marcus Nispel, his frequent collaborator on many music videos, to direct. Nispel was offered the movie. He wanted to make his American debut an original movie, telling Pearl his remaking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was blasphemy and a sure failure. Pearl then told him that that was the reason he should accept the offer and hire him a cinematographer so that Pearl could make the same movie twice, once in the beginning of his career and once in the end of his career. Aaron's last name was supposed to be Hardesty, the same last name as lead character Sally had from the, in the original movie. A deleted subplot had Aaron becoming pregnant, which is why when they went to Mexico, she didn't drink the water or smoke the weed, as they talked about in the final cut. Gunnar Hansen was asked to play the role of the trucker in the end of this movie. Dolph Lundgren was first considered to play Leatherface, but he turned them down so he could spend more time with his family. The film was made into a haunted house at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights in both Florida and Hollywood Universal Parks. While chasing Aaron through the woods, Leatherface trips and cuts his right leg with the chainsaw, an homage to the original. Kirsten Dunst, Katie Holmes, and Jessica Alba were considered for the role of Aaron. In 2002, Marilyn Manson was announced as the composer of the project. He later had to bow out due to scheduling conflicts. Evan Rachel Wood was considered for the role of the hitchhiker. Actress Marietta March, who played Lula May, came out of retirement in 2013 to film the eight-time International Best Picture award-winning suspense film House of Good and Evil 2013 as Mrs. Anderson with Ray Olivier and Christian Olivier. Texas Chainsaw Massacre New Beginning. The cow that gets hit by the Jeep was made of fiberglass and filled with blood, fake entrails, and fake bones that screwed together. During the filming, R. Lee Ermey, I think I called him Emmy earlier, Ermey, was called away to, away to his mother's deathbed for the remainder of the time filming was done around his character. Producers Andrew Form and Brad Fuller decided not to make a sequel to the 2003 movie, but the fans kept coming to them asking how the family got that way and wanted to know several unanswered questions in the 2003 version, such as how Monty lost both his legs and how Sheriff Hoyt lost his front teeth and how Leatherface got his nickname. After meeting with Michael Bay, they let Sheldon Turner write the script for a prequel, and they were prepared to make it. Marianna March said the surgery scene was so realistic that it was very hard to watch. 
and she came up with the idea to sing Hush Little Baby to Bailey, to Bailey at their dinner table, which director Jonathan Liebesman thought was one of the creepiest things in the movie. Marietta March also had a bit of a crush on actor Matt Bomber. She said that, quote, what a gorgeous guy he is. He has the most fantastic eyes. Oh, he's so beautiful. Jordana Brewster and producer Andrew Form met on the film. They began dating and then became engaged in 2006, married in 2007, and had their first child, a son named Julian, in 2013. When we see Eric's dog tags, they have a rubber casing around them. This form of tag wasn't introduced into GI uniform until the 90s, although it would be black although it could be black tape as military service members during World War II began to use tape or black silicone to silence the clinking sound the tags made as they walked with them hung around their necks. Arlie Ermey's character mentioned he was a prisoner of war during the Korean War, and in real life he was in the military. I'm not sure if he was in a war. And the body count here is nine, all on screen. Texas Chainsaw 3D. A draft of the script had Leatherface's name being Jedediah Sawyer. However, this was later changed to... Oh, sorry. It was Jebediah Sawyer. Later changed to Jedediah Sawyer. In the 2003 make, Jedediah is the name of young member of the Hewitt family. So there's two people named Jedediah. In the opening scene, Bill Mosley, who played Chop Top in the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, portrays Drayton Sawyer, the cook, from the first two movies. John Dugan, who portrayed Grandpa in the first movie, reprises his role in the opening scene of the film. Marilyn Burns, who played Sally Hardesty in the original movie, plays Vera in this one. This film and Butcher Boys 2012 were Marilyn's first movie roles in 28 years, excluding an uncredited cameo in The Next Generation. Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the first movie, portrayed a relative boss sawyer at the beginning of this film. Uh, let's see here. This film features four actors returning from previous installments, surpassing the record of three set by The Next Generation. It was 106 degrees in Shreveport on the day the fire stunts were performed inside the burning Sawyer house at the beginning of the film. Dan Yeager is, as of this film, the tallest Leatherface at six foot six. At the end of the credits, there is one final short scene in which Heather's foster parents show up at the Carson house only to meet her cousin, Jed. Not counting the archive footage, the body count is 13. Drayton, Grandpa, Loretta, Boss, Bear, Daryl, so those are all Sawyers, 
Then Daryl, Ryan, Kenny, Nikki, Officer Ollie, Officer Marvin, Mayor Hartman, and Berna Carson, who dies of old age. And on to the movie Leatherface. This is Toby Hooper's final movie as producer before his death from natural causes on August the 26, 2017. The first Texas Chainsaw Massacre film not to be filmed in the U.S. Instead, the film was shot in Bulgaria for budgetary reasons. Stephen Dorff plays Sheriff Hal Hartman in this film, who is the father of Bert Hoffman from Texas Chainsaw 2013. The body count here is 22, so considerably higher. While it's not mentioned in this film itself or the credits, Ted's last name, as confirmed by the screenwriters, is Hardesty, making him the father of Sally and Franklin. Throughout the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films, Leatherface kills 76 people with chainsaw. And that's it for the trivia. So, why should you watch these movies? Well, the original movie continues to be one of the most influential horror movies ever made. And it pretty much started um, the slasher craze. Many of the tropes that we rarely see in horror movies are here, or started here. A cannibal family, an isolated location, the final girl, etc. So, I think I would suggest that you watch the original film, the 2003 make, and then something with the, uh, with Sherrod Hoyt and family, um, just because they're so much fun to watch. I'm not sure I would suggest anything else, really, um, unless you just really like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Some of them, um... The one with Matthew McConaughey, I could have done without. Um, they don't. They just really don't add anything to the mythology and the characters aren't developed enough to be interesting. So the recipe this week, of course, it is something from Texas. So I found a website called tasteofhome.com and it says a roundup of 50 famous Texas foods. Uh, and this is from a poll from people about what their, you know, grandmother made, passed down with them, etc. I'm just going to hit a few of the highlights. So, chicken fried steak and gravy. Uh, Tex-Mex shredded beef sandwiches. Sorry, it's taking a while for my computer to scroll down. White Texas sheet cake. Uh, quick. Tacos all is it pastor? Favorite barbecued chicken. Daughter's apple crisp. Chili con queso. Texas stew. Maple glaze donuts. Doesn't seem like a Texas thing. Barbecued pork ribs. 
Texas tacos, a lot of tacos on here. Velvety chocolate butter pecan pie. Texas style lasagna. And last one I'll hit up, uh, baked chicken chalupas. So you can see a lot of uh, Tex-Mex influence here. And I will leave the link in the show notes if you want to check out the rest of the recipes or foods. And with that, I guess that's it for this week. Um, when going over a long franchise like this, it unfortunately takes a while. So I'll probably do something a lot shorter next time around just to take a little break. So where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com Until next week, stay safe. Watch out for guys with chainsaws. If you see one coming, run the other way. And uh, with that, hope you have a good week. Bye.